Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today I have the Professor. Lou. Hello. How's it going, Professor? I'm good. A little bit worried about you going DJ. No. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the new year, and I want to start something positive, you know? Have have some enthusiasm going, you know? Okay well, then. <laughs> you sound like you, you sound like a Debbie Downer all of a sudden, Professor. What's going on? You're disturbing me. <laughs> How's it going, Professor? How's your week been? I've had a good week. Fun day at the office? It's always fun at the office. I, I, I don't know. People normally tend to get depressed after the New Year's, you know, when they start going back to work. It's like, ugh, holidays are over. Do Go people often tell you they're depressed when they have to start working with you again, or is... <laughs> yeah, I oh. feel like that's more of a you problem than a people problem. I thought it was a people problem more, more than a you problem. But anyways, uh, also with me today, I have Bucky. Hello. How's it going? I'm fantastic. Ooh, you're fantastic. What, ha- what happened? What happened this time? Nothing. It's just a good week. Oh, nice. nice and peaceful and quiet. There's been rain. The fires are easing off a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, so this week we have uh, the topics we've talked we were talking about is, is um Q time, so limiting gaming time, uh cat restaurants, cat robots in restaurants, and Studio Ghibli making two movies in 2020 so first off professor you've it's your um q time story yes and just to be clear we started looking into this because we have had a request from one of our viewers like a few moments ago there one viewer requested we look into the child safety of games like pokemon go and we saw an opportunity where we may get a sponsorship for this segment so we're not being sponsored yet but we'll see what happens in the next few weeks so Anyway, QTime is a hardware device that sits between your console and your television and connects to your Wi-Fi and monitors the length of time that you spend playing on your console. It's supposed to be compatible with uh, every uh, version of the PlayStation that's on the market at the moment, every version of the Xbox on the market, and you can control it from any model of phone. And the idea is that sitting between the uh, the device and the TV as an HDMI uh, interceptor, really. It can overlay timers on the screen to warn the player that their time is running out. And then when time is up, it can cut the signal to the monitor so that the player is unable to continue playing. And the, the marketing behind it is advertising for parents to be able to monitor their child's game time. But just before we started recording, Buck pointed out a really good point that an adult could use it to help them keep track of their time so that they remember to go to work on time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Buck's hinting that he's forgotten to go to work a couple of times, but... No, no, no. I can just see it as a great way of making sure you remember to do things that are important, such as go to work or put the garbage out, do the washing <laughs> up, all those semi-boring sort of things that we all tend to forget about. Now that you mention, I do remember years ago when I, during my cyber cafe days, I would see in the morning a couple of prof- couple of lawyers would come up to a cyber cafe and play in like a couple of hours of World of Warcraft and then leave the cyber cafe going like, yeah, that, that raid was fun. Yeah, that raid was fun. I got so much loot. What, before work? Before work, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, how do you know they were, you said lawyers, wasn't it? Yeah, they would always come up with, they would dress up really formal and they're having on their arms like the lawyer coats. The What's lawyer, lawyer coats. coats. What? You never saw a lawyer, you never saw, you never see lawyers on, on the street like carrying I've their seen, lawyer coats? I've seen lots of lawyers. I don't know what a lawyer coat is. Do you mean what the frock? Yeah, the frocks, yeah. The frocks. Oh. <laughs> so they're actually probably law clerks or secretaries of the court but yeah point being that you would see even people work people and um people working as well like going to cyber cafes and play a bit of world of warcraft that was my point oh okay because people who work don't play games like they they would say like hey what are you doing why are you playing games when you should be working right now that kind of that that kind of the atmosphere there's a 
I used to play games on my work computer. My boss used to come in and ask me what my score was. Oh. All right, DJ, quit digging your hole. <laughs> so anyway, since this is a HDMI interceptor, you can use it with any HDMI device, really. So they advertise it for the main consoles, but I expect you could use it with anything. And if it detects that it's being unplugged, it sounds a loud beeping alarm and sends a text message to the registered phones to let the parents know that it's been bypassed. That sounds like a good idea. Like, if you're using it for yourself, like the way we were saying before, all you do is you have it so it sends an alarm to one of your friends who's kind of sit there and kick, kick in the pants about it and say, come on, you put it on there for a reason. You set it to go to your boss, and then they'll know you're never actually taking a proper sickie. <laughs> but wouldn't that be classified as an invasion of privacy? Well, they can already use your Facebook to see if you're... Actually, no, they're not allowed to. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's been a few bosses who have gotten in trouble for that over the years. If they happen to see it accidentally, that's one thing, but they can't actually actively go snooping. If they do that and they get caught out, then they're in trouble as well. Fair enough. You can still be sacked, but yeah, they get in trouble. So the app can be used to monitor game time from anywhere in the world. The um, And... It's not limited to just certain times of day. The player can actually choose when they play because it logs gaming time when the console is turned on and an HDMI signal is being passed. So this could actually even work on your TV as well. Yeah, so you could hook it up to a DVD player if you wanted to. The biggest disadvantage is that uh, with a PC, it only works on a graphics card with an HDMI cable, and it wouldn't work on a laptop at all because you can't lock down the, or the QTime device can't lock down the laptop screen. But there are other solutions for people who are concerned about that. So overall, I think it's uh, got pretty good coverage. Sounds pretty decent to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, a one-time payment, so the cloud features are free to use. You just buy the hardware device that sits between the console and the TV. Okay. So what, what, what's that all-important price? Uh, I will pull that up. Just so that any of our um, listeners who are thinking, I can finally get the kids to get off their backside and go out and do the chores that they're supposed to be doing. It is $60 on Amazon. Oh, there you go. Yes, it's American it's like, or? Uh, yes, I think it might be $60 US. I like the backstory to how this um, device came into being. And what is that, DJ? Uh, which is a University of Bath student, a computer science graduate, um, James Potter, 29, and his business businessman father, 57, spent two years developing this device on their farm. Um, the aim is to curb the excessive amount of time that some children spend playing video games and help parents enforce time limits. And so James w- w- was a, was initially addicted to video games and peak around 40 hours a week and then tried to go cold turkey at the age of 18. Yes, not a, not an easy path to take. Yeah. yeah. He uh, must and- have been very good at um, Call of Duty or any of those because otherwise he would have been turning pro at that age. And I forgot to mention that you can pause the uh, timer in the app, which will cut off the screen. So, (laughs) but no trolling, Buck. That would be so much fun just to put it there, just to so you can sit there and just go, ding. (laughs) Oh, could you? You're an animal. (laughs) Can you? I'm just thinking of all the fun you could have at, at like some of the computer labs around the university oh no <laughs> you have someone right in the middle of a major battle where they're playing the game and, <laughs> oh. and it cuts out on them and they're like what <laughs> oh no can you imagine the amount of youtube videos we're coming out from that <laughs> oh i think i could just created in a whole new youtube channel People people going crazy when their computer cuts out in the middle of League of Legends. Oh, it'd be okay. It'll be like watching. It'll be like watching an NRL game, and then the final seconds of the of of the game, if it's like a if it's like a sudden death match, oh, the final second. That's even better. I could put it in the back of TVs at, down at the pubs and clubs. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so I just got a phone call. It's from the Hog. They want you to speak to them, Buck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, oh, oh, 
Bucky, that'll be perfect. Imagine what p- while well, making them watch like a good movie, like Avengers or something. And at the final hang on, hang on, piece, hang on, hang on. a good movie. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I thought you said good movie. <laughs> oh no, 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 for the kids, for the kids. Imagine for the kids, just play like the Avengers Endgame, uh-huh. and then the final few seconds of the Avengers Endgame, think you're like, ah, oh, what happened? Yeah, but kids, kids are used to parents doing that to them already. It's more fun watching a bunch of grown adults that are getting all excited. Like, could you imagine doing it when it's um, the Super Bowl? Oh, no. No. <laughs> like, I could have so much fun with this. I think I've actually, just found a whole new sport. Actually, funnily enough, a um, couple of years ago, Jimmy Kimmel did a YouTube challenge where he dared um, people to t- – to turn off the um to turn off the TV in the middle of a video game and the reactions from a my god they are funny to look at <laughs> like some people would just scream like hey what the hell are you doing uh-huh. oh this but I can imagine like now just doing it <laughs> <clears throat> I think we should probably get back on topic before I get into trouble <laughs> I don't really need help getting into trouble I do that quite well enough on my own <laughs> sorry professor. Yes, you do, but anyway, the uh, last point I'd like to make is that they have a slider on the website to suggest how much um, extra time, study time you can get by um, locking the console to only one hour a day or two hours a day, and the number of subjects that they reckon you could turn from a C to an A. But if you scroll it all the way down to zero hours, it says a Nobel Prize is coming your way. So apparently they reckon gamers can't win Nobel Prizes, which isn't an entirely unfair assessment. <laughs> this device is pretty, it's a nifty idea. I mean, it beats the whole, like, um, the whole parenting, the old school way of saying, hey, kids, get to work, and they go, no. Yeah, but see, like, I don't know, like when I was growing up, if you, if you didn't do it, you, you got in trouble, and they would just take away the TV or whatever. So... Yeah. Yeah. So this it's the is same that, these days. Using an app. Yeah, this is that makes yeah. it better because there's an app that <laughs> you can have fun with. So when they if they start arguing about when you want them to do something, you just push the pause button in the middle of their game. <laughs> or even extend or extend or minimize the gaming time. Well, that too. But you can you can be asking them to do something and they they say something rude, so you can just pause it and go. I beg your pardon. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm liking the idea of this. Yeah. It's it's the it's the item to have when gaming's more important than life to help you get up out of bed and go to work. Yeah, like and it's and it's also great around this time because if you remember uh, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about how gaming dis- g- gaming is now a, a, a disorder. Even mm-hmm. yeah, so this would be perfect around in this current time. Yep. So I was actually I was actually going to ask the professor how. He rates it as a useful item, and does he recommend it from his research? Oh, yes. Uh, I, forgot, I forgot about okay, that. Okay, so I think it's probably a very useful item for target market. And if as a person who wants to limit their gaming time, uh, I think you could easily repurpose it for that. Mm-hmm. So you, you reckon it's a good value item? Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, decently priced for what it is. I like that it's uh, not a subscription like everything else is these days. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's uh, the end of the potentially sponsored sec- section. Awesome. Yep. So, yeah, Bucky, you've got a story about cat robots in restaurants. Yes. Um, yeah, just recently, um, one of the great nerd events of the year has occurred, which is the CES, which I can't remember what CES stands for. Um, it's Computers, Electronics, show i think something like uh, that. i think it's consumer electronics show consumer electronics probably right um was held in las vegas and it is literally gadgets and robots and tech to make your eyeballs start bleeding and is the most one of the most fantastic events of the year where there's so many things you just it should actually go for like a month because there's so many gadgets there normally that have been released and shown off. This year, one of them is a robot cat designed to ferry plates in restaurants. So the Bellabot, which was designed by Chinese company Pudu Tech, is one of has a number of um, crazy robot inventions shown this year. Um, and 
Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Um, there's also UB Tex Walker, which can pull yoga poses. So, like, literally, the, the list of crazy stuff that comes out is just amazing. But the RoboCat is a robot that walks around, goes, runs around. It looks like it's on a one of those rhombas. So I don't know if they've actually got the vacuum thing going on underneath as well, but it'd be a good idea. Clean the floor as you go sort of thing. And it has four tiers of trays where you have your food and it has a screen that has cat emojis showing up. So when you get your food, you can if you can give it a bit of a scratch on it. It's got special ears. If you do it too long, it gets irritated and it shows that. So, yeah. So it's actually an interactive robot. Now, there's a cafe in North Brisbane where they have cats wandering the cafe floor. I feel like this would be much better because you can't have cat allergies with robots. Yes. Although the cat cafe is for people to go and cuddle cats. Unlike um, there's a video I saw on, I saw on YouTube where someone go, you're ordering, which cat you're going to cuddle? I think it was um, Jamie's main Japan. Um, and um, he's going, I'll have that cat for my lunch, meaning he wanted to cuddle that cat, but it sounds like he's actually asking them to cook it for him. <laughs> so why wouldn't you want to cuddle the robot cat? Um, I don't know if you've actually looked at the pictures of it, but it doesn't look particularly cuddly. It's got big open sides for the trays and all that sort of thing. All right. I can, I, I, I can, I can go with the scratch in the ears thing. Like if when you when you first do it, it's if you, especially if your hands warm, it'll react accordingly. So it pulls different emoji faces on the front of it if you, depending on what the stimulus is. I like this. If you pat it for too long, it gets mad because you're interrupting its job. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like every cat I've ever seen. Now all it needs is to just pop out some claws and tear you up. But it also <laughs> it also makes a, a mewing noise to attract the attention of the customer when it arrives at the table with their food. So... It's a robot that actually meows to let you know it's there. So, yeah, like literally, um, it's pretty cool. Like the, as I was saying before about the um, walker robot, it does the um, yoga poses. They, apparently the, the developers have said it will not buy you a quinoa salad afterwards, though. You've got to go <laughs> do that yourself. So, like, literally this is one of those things where I'll sit and I'll watch videos and so forth out of this because there's just so many amazing gadgets and so forth that come out. So if you um, want to buy one, I don't know whether it's actually released on the market for purchase, but if you do buy one, please let me know what you think and also let us know if it's actually, it does actually have the Roomba vacuum cleaner thing going underneath it at the same time, which if it was actually a proper cat robot, it would see the little tail and it would start chasing it. Can you see these in, in any of the Australian restaurants? Actually, I probably could. Like, there's to an extent, um, there's a growing culture of respect and embracing technology in restaurants in Australia. Um, so I could actually see this being utilised in some of them. Yeah, but my my um, concern with these types of robots is the uh, spaces because some of some Australian restaurants can be really small. So imagine these things moving around in small areas would be really cumbersome. Well, it's probably not wider than a person, so it should be able to get through. Mm. My my major concern would be more food safety, but yeah, that's that, that's also that could also be a problem as well. Yeah, but um, here's the um, more one of the, I've just come across a um, even better robot, the Rollbot from um, Procter and Gamble. Um, for those times when you get caught out and you need a fresh roll of paper, Rollbot is summoned via Bluetooth on a smartphone. Imagine doing your business in the middle of it in, in the toilet and you just go, okay, robot. Well, where else you gonna, to me. Where else are you going to do your business? What, you're going to do it out in the middle of the driveway? <laughs> I was thinking more of the uh, in, in the middle of an outback, in the middle of the outback toilet, <laughs> robot works. Well, it's only accessible by Bluetooth, which has a moderately limited range. So, yeah. But honestly, like, it's one of the it's one of the more intelligent robots I've seen. But yeah, like pretty much that's all I've got on the show at the moment. So if I um, find anything else exciting, I'll 
post up some pictures on um, Facebook page and in the group and try and see if anyone if anyone else sees anything from out of the show, let us know what you think was the best one in our Facebook group on the Nerds Amalgamated page. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what, what's the craziest and which is the coolest invention that you guys find this year? Okay, anyways, uh, so finally, our uh, final topic for tonight is... My story about Studio Ghibli. So, while most of Hollywood was being blasted by Ricky Gervais's opening monologue and by Joaquin Phoenix winning the Best Actor Award at this year's Golden Globes, the anime world was reeling from its own blast. A blast of good news. The annual Studio Ghibli New Year's message. And oh, we have some good news. So, according to their New Year's message, they're working on two new films. And it was also recapping the official announcements such as the first Studio Ghibli theme park, which is to open in Japan's Nagakute City in 2022, and the adaptation of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind into a Kabuki stage play. That's that's some great announcements, wouldn't you agree, fellas? Yeah. Yeah. So the first film is going to be directed by none other than Hayao Miyazaki, um, which is which has been taken over a couple of years, and it's titled Kimitachi wa do Ikaru, which is translated to How Do You Live, which is taken from a 1937 novel uh, written by Genzaburo Yoshino, which is a coming-of-age adventure fantasy following the 15-year-old Koperu and his uncle. So this will be the first film Miyazaki's made since he came out of retirement in 2016. And we haven't made we haven't heard any sec- details for the second film, unfortunately. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But the uh, story for the story for it, it's a ma- it's an interesting story. So uh, the the novel itself uh, talks about uh, Junichiro um, Honda. So he's a sec- he's a fifteen year old kid who has been nicknamed Capera, um, which is named after the astronomer Copernicus. Um, he's he's a gifted student, and his father and mother both um are b- both working adults. And so um, after his dad has di- had suddenly died, his um. Pe- Scapera is forced to live with his uncle, and um, and there are many children and businessmen, university professors, and doctors and classmates. And so Capera experiences uh, various events in school life with friends. So basically, he it's a coming of age novel, basically. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So it's so he's basically look from his eyes. We look at like the rites of passages, such as the view of things, structure of societies, relations, friendships, whatnot. Sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so at the end, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending of the fi- of the novel, so, yeah. You don't? No, okay. I don't want I don't want to. Say it in your American accent so no one can understand you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the, um, the, this movie was supposed to... The, the problem with this movie, though, is was um, it never had an established deadline. So it was supposed to be coming out in the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, but... Uh, the producer, who is he's Miyazaki's longtime producer Toshio Suzuki, basically said that uh, this prob this project will be released somewhere between 2021 and 2022. And the film, as of October last year, the film's only 15 percent done. But you can't rush a Miyazaki masterpiece. Like the man has produced what has got to be a library of some of the most brilliant artwork, and with whether you're looking at the animation or the music whatever and all of the stories like you you end up like it's you you end up with your heart in your mouth most of the time just because the stories are just so well developed so i'm not going to complain hey the olympics have got goku so they got someone screaming and being crazy so they're fine <laughs> i know it's, I, th- I thought there was more um there were more mascots there was, was besides goku there was like sailor moon and Pikachu. So it's not just one, it's just a whole lot of mascots. Okay, well, there you go, see? So they can do without another movie. But what do you guys think of the story um, for this movie, though? I reckon it's awesome. Yeah. But I have to admit, I am a fan of um, Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. So I found some very interesting information about this um about the story. So, for, for example, the format is basically talks about alternate viewpoints and storytelling between Capera and his uncle. So Capera narrates his life at school while his uncle 
while his uncle narrates his experience helping his nephew dealing with the struggles. Um, the themes, for example, it deals with struggles of growing up as a human being. Uh, much of the aspect of growing up involves dealing with people who are in opposition to the person, bullying, and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, publication. So this book is one of the Nihon Soshan Book Bunko series. So it's, it is intended to cover, convey knowledge and ideas of free and progressive culture to school children in Japan. However, many of the works were discouraged by the rise of Japan Japanese militarism in 1930. So yeah, this was this is more of a civics and ethics textbook kind. Of. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's knocking off the good place because uh, ethics are really trendy now because of the good place. Yeah, but Miyazaki's going to be better than this. Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good story in this current climate with everyone's just being divided and whatnot. So I think it's a good story to cover. Like a good movie to show at this current climate. As the author points out that the book is meant to call out to the person a human being capable of self-living way um, was then a, an, um, a limited privileged boys at the time. So basically it tells people to think for yourself and live out the way you want to live, basically. That's the end message the author wants to convey. So do we have any um, idea of what the second movie is going to be? Um, nothing on that. There's no details on that. I think Studio Ghibli is playing to just reveal, slowly reveal it. Okay. So we might get we, we might get something far off uh, Miyazaki's work, or we might get something close to Miyazaki, but not Miyazaki per se. Okay. Um, one of the things I find interesting in the article here is um, when HBO Max is available for download in May, viewers will have access to the 21 Ghibli films. So. That's looking pretty cool. Yeah. And also, here's an interesting fact for you guys. Um, the, re- the reason why Miyazaki's taking his long time to finish this um, film, uh, he said that his younger age, he used to produce 10 minutes of animation every month, but now his speed is reduced to one minute per month. And that's the reason be- uh, behind the film dragging its release date. I can appreciate that. How old is he these days? He's around uh, 79. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I mean, most 79-year-olds would have already retired. Well, he has, but he's come back out of retirement. Ah. I mean, how many times has Miyazaki reti- retired and came back now? Like, wasn't it like fourth time or fifth time, if I recall? I don't know. It's just he gets, he just he comes up with new ideas that he decides he wants to pursue. And all I can say is thank you because he's literally one of the people making the world a better place with his art. Like he's, he's one of the most beloved animators in the world. Like um, there was, I think it was the 25th anniversary of Studio Ghibli. They had a massive festival in Japan where they had, I think, I can't remember which orchestra it was, but it was the Tokyo Philharmonic or something. They played a massive concert of all the Studio Ghibli um, songs. In like, and I mean, like, and the audience was all wearing suits and all dressed up, and there were very few young people in there. It was all various ages, and everyone was loving it. Um, just trying to find some information on that concert here. What's interesting though with um the stream with Studio Ghibli being in HBO Max is how um the American Ghibli's American distributor have always been vehemently opposed to streaming, and now when that's when this is um, offer has been coming out there. You don't hear anything from them. Yeah. Um, I can't see who the orchestra was, but they've got um, a massive orchestra and a couple of choirs. Like There's a children's choir and an adult's choir in the background, and it goes for about two hours. So we'll have the link in the um, show notes for people if they want to go and check it out. Yeah, that, um, I tried to look for more information about Miyazaki, reti- how many times he's re- retired, and I don't it, they're all saying he's retired so many times that we. I think they've lost count, basically. Well, at that point, it just Miyazaki retired. Must be Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> uh, he he lives a very humble life. Like there's pictures of him you see around the place, and he's always very quiet and unassuming. Like he did a trip to Germany back when he was younger, and he he's walking around, and he's just you wouldn't notice him because of the fact that he was just so quiet. You know, Miyazaki doing all the retiring, it kind of reminds me of all those sports stars that would say, like, yeah, I'm retiring from the sport, and then 
couple of years later, you see like I'm I'm doing my triumphant return to sport, and you're going really? You're coming back after all these years? What were you think? What are you what are you doing? Uh huh. Like uh, what's the best example? Michael, oh great, um, Ian Thorpe, for example, how he retire and then come back and then retire again. But you reckon this will be the this will be the final time he retires, or you reckon he'll do more? I mean. This is put. I mean, it seems like um, this him making more movies is not a sign of him giving up yet. Um, honestly, I hope he keeps going. Like, if he has an idea he wants to pursue, then yeah, like he he's earned the respect that we should all take notice. That's fair. Anyways, um, so moving along, uh, Buck, what games have you been playing? I've been playing a game called. Desert Order. Ooh. Sounds nice. It is. Would you like me to tell you more about it? Or yes, please. It? Okay. Um, it's an online real-time strategy game where you start off with one base in on a map somewhere and you build it up. You can you have to build up your resource supply train. Uh, you, it's pretty much World War II era. So, yeah, you form form up in parts parts of different factions and alliances and try to take control of the map. Um, and you build all... You can take different bases where um, there's air, 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 air bases um, and naval bases. Um, and, yeah, you build up your resources, you build up um, your limitations on bases and military groups that you can have. So, yeah, you become a bit of a scary warlord who's got... Um, an airport, a naval base, and numerous other bases. Run around with your own submarine on a river and tanks and bombers. You can have stealth bombers too, so. Oh, dude. Which is the old Delta Wing um, style bomber, but it's pretty cool. But um, I took a base earlier on today with um, a couple of people, and we just have the um, Illusion. Sturmowik, which was a German bomber. It's only medium and it's armed with bombs and rockets, but it's great for attacking um, ground vehicles and ground units. So when you're attacking a base, you send in some um, cannon fodder to distract all the anti-air force guns, and then you send in a couple of flights of um, bombers. And, yeah, I think we had, because um, I've got four wings uh, of these bombers, which are five planes each. Um, and I had a couple of other people I sent theirs in as well. So we ended up with, um, I think it was seven wings flying over the top at a time. The amount of bombs that were dropping down was just like, it was like it was a a thunderstorm of bombs dropping from the sky. But the, um, stealth bomber is the Horton Ho 229, which is a German prototype bomber, which was a giant delta wing two jet engines so yes it's quite a lot of fun so what's the biggest flaw you've encountered um the need for gold to expand above a certain size like you can do certain mission achievements to get gold and so forth but um to unlock certain buildings and so forth and upgrade them you you need gold and yeah it can be cumbersome trying to generate the gold through the missions so you get some people who are buying gold and yeah they're it's a bit of a pain in the neck, but overall, yeah, the game's a whole lot of fun. So how many nerdy beanies out of 10 would you give this game at? Um, I'm only going to give it three and a half just because of the um, issue with the gold. But other other than that, like the graphics and everything is just really cool. Wow. Three- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Three and a half out of ten? Wow, that's a... No, three and a half out of five. Ah, okay. I, I said out of ten, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, mess some things up, DJ. <laughs> well, see, I did tell you I was going over to the professor's scale. Of five. The far superior ten-point scale. Hey? 
The fastest went over your five, ten point scale. I went to your five point scale. You're saying oh. the ten point scale is better. <laughs> Which is what I went with originally. No, I don't even know what I'm doing. Okay, okay, okay. It's all the it DJ's fault. We, we, Buck and I were going through the five point scale. You, Professor, went initially to the ten point scale. No, no. And a couple of weeks ago, you just, but Professor went for the five point scale, and we went to the ten point scale. See, no wonder I'm confused. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I've changed my beard. I'm, I'm not quite that majestic. <laughs> so 3.5 out of 5. Hey, that's that's a good score. That's a good score. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, I got got hold of a naval base um, yesterday and I built up on my um, defences on it and I've now got um, a warship, a squad of torpedo boats, a submarine and fast attack boats. So nice. I now control that section of the because your submarines aren't easily detectable, so they're, they're stealth. So I do recall once upon a time you did play a similar sort of game called um, Company of Heroes. So what's the difference between Desert Storm and Company of Heroes? Have you seen any differences, like solid differences or big differences between those two? Um, uh, completely different. This is Company of Heroes was... Um, it was very generic sort of gameplay. It was, and you were stuck on you. It was the theater of war of Europe, and it was literally you could only go through certain cities. And yeah, this is, and you were limited by what generals you unlocked. And this is, you don't have the generals. You're the general. You just build up your troops and squads and so forth. So you don't have any infantry. You have um, vehicles, and it's just an open sandbox. So there's bases around the place to go and ta- attack. But you can send your vehicles, whether it's like with the whether it's the land vehicles, you can send them anywhere where there's land. Your planes you can have flying anywhere. You've got helicopters. You got your boats can go anywhere. There's rivers you can attack from land onto the boats. You can attack from boats onto land and take bases and so forth. You can actually steal harbors from um, other players from on the water. So that's in Death Storm. You can steal the. Desert Harbors. Order. Oh yeah, Desert Order. Yep. Okay. No, not not Desert Storm. I'm I'm not the Americans invading Iraq. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of th- a lot of that going around these days. Ah, uh, so uh, Professor, what game have you been playing? I've still been playing the Final Fantasy Adventure remake. Oh. I think I'm about three quarters of the way through the game. I'll probably wrap it up soon, but um, I'm still really enjoying it. I still prefer the remake though, but like. Well, not the remake, sorry. I'm playing the original in the emulator on the Switch. So the re-release. I still prefer the remake sort of manner. But yeah, it's uh, still a fun game. Feels like an oldie Zelda. So what's the biggest flaw you've encountered in that game? The enemies, some of the enemies uh, fly or jump and they are way too hard to hit with your sword because they're just, there's no parallax really. So it's really hard to tell where the enemy is in relation to the ground. Okay. Okay. And it's the same old um, turn-based combat system and not like the newer combat systems they have? No, this is an action game. Final Fantasy Adventure was a uh, action spin-off Final Fantasy. Oh. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, um, how how would you rate this game? How many uh, beanies? Can't remember. What did I rate it last week? Uh, for your manner of collection. Yeah. You rated it. That you rated uh, five out of ten. Yeah. So this is that game. Same game. Okay. So you're not changing your score? No, I don't think so. I um will probably rate the Trials of Mana and A Secret of Mana differently, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of Final Fantasy Adventure. So 5 out of 10, that's a pretty interesting score. What, so what are the other biggest flaws besides the enemy that uh, you've encountered? Uh, well, it's a, a Game Boy game, so the backgrounds and sprites are extremely limited, which part of the uh, the style of the early 90s of course but <laughs> it means that all the locations look roughly the same okay so it doesn't matter where in the world you go it still looks like it's just around the corner where you start mm. yeah and it's um so because there's only a handful of grass sprites like one grass sprite one rock sprite there's no real distinguishing between the locations you just have to go by memory and there is a map but it's not very useful it okay. shows you where you are relative to um towns but you can't tell which town is represented by which dot on the map and uh yeah so it's got a lot of quality of life stuff that probably just wasn't possible on a, a game boy 
And so I'm nobody's assuming... actually um, developed a fan map of it where they've got all the towns all labelled out, available? You know what? They probably have, but I've been playing on my Switch, so I haven't been able to look it up because I'm mostly playing on the bus and stuff. Okay. So would you use any strategy guides, though, just to, just in case for this game? No, I don't feel the need to because um, I've played the remake and uh, story-wise and plot-wise, it's all very similar. So I'm not really finding the need to look up any sort of strategy guides. Okay. Hmm. And what have you been playing, DJ? I have been playing a game called Watches. It's basically a PUBG-style game where you basically um, go around the map, you find weapons and uh, weapons and um, eight ammo and um, aids like first aid, armor serums and stuff like that, and you get to kill each other. Okay, so it's a battle royale, but this isn't first person. This is third person. Down. Yeah, yeah. This is more third person, and the interesting part about this is the animation style. So it's not like PUBG where it's just in your fa- it's just visually accurate. It's more simplistic, and the map itself, it's very big. <laughs> it, it would be very big, and um, the ammo as well. You can create your own ammo. You can, um, you can also get some perks as well. For this, for every t- um, round. So, how long does a round of watches last? Um, a round of watches can go from five minutes to about fifteen minutes. And what's the gimmick that makes it different to PUBG, Fortnite, uh, or something like Rapture Rejects? Because so, Rapture Rejects has the top down and crafting as well. Yeah, the difference with this one is when you die, when you get killed. You become a watcher, and you pick out who's your fa- who's the favorite character that's going to survive this round. You can make bets on who's who, who kills, who's going to kill, who, who's going to make a kill. And once you get that kill, you uh, once you get win, if you win the bet, you get a lot of energy, and you also have um, the power to well, put weapons perks for put weapons perks or put we- obstacles onto the. Um, onto the map so it's basically uh like having twitch integration because there's a lot of games where players well viewers can vote on how they're going to mess with the streamer yeah yeah so like for example um so i can die so once i get killed again i would also get like i would have an option for put like raise the dead for example so i can put uh three zombies on the map and it could uh it could damage players and they could kill them basically okay you miss one of the major perks that i so which is it's got pink pink flamingos beside the pool. <laughs> <laughs> i have not yet seen that one i've seen um slow time i've seen explosive rounds i've seen wake the dead but i haven't seen the others yet so i don't uh, i'm not sure if the pink flamingos are just i think they're just scenery yeah, they, 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 they've actually got pink flamingos with shadows, and the shadows are accurate. <laughs> and you can kill next to the pool. Do you actually get to go through the pool? I think, uh no, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there are some, there are some aspects of the scenery you can't do in this game. Because there's, there's lots of gore that I'm seeing there. Like, there's, yeah, there's, there's a guy who's just been shot, and there's a massive blood on the ground underneath. So uh... probably not necessarily. Um, child friendly on that in that, that regard so ah oh, i thought you're gonna say uh the magical words honestly if it's not child friendly it's probably not friendly for you dj oh i was i was gonna say uh i was saying i was gonna say along the lines of this game would not be possible in um certain countries yeah. what are you talking about uh this game would not be suitable in china for example really why not oh you know the whole blood the violence oh uh, islands on the ban list <laughs> because I don't think it's islands so much to have a problem with. It's a couple of very specific islands. Um, yeah, like another another cool thing is they've got gas grenades. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Although with the way with the the screenshot that they've got on Steam, looks like someone's just got a really bad case of gas because <laughs> if they're throwing the the grenade right behind where the guy was standing, so it looks like he's let let rip an absolute monster <laughs> but then there's something where in one of the other screenshots there's beams of light coming down i don't know whether they're coming down from the sky to the ground or going up into the sky they come down from the sky so one of the perks is a death ray and if you put it on a certain location if any of the players are affected are in that um so in that line of sight 
they die. Like they they lose their health pretty quickly. So when line of sight, I mean, it's got to hit them, or are they just got to be within a certain vicinity? A certain vicinity. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, there's just there's three narrow beams hitting the ground in a car park, and yeah, there's definitely it's definitely set in America because it's outside a donut shop. Yeah. This uh the the time it's interesting that now that you mentioned the characters are all based in like 1970s characters. So like uh this is um and the music the music for this game. It's like old Nate King Cole type music, like old jazz, old um, 70s music. I was actually thinking more um, the 50s and the 60s from some of the stuff I've seen in this. Yeah, that's, yeah. So we run more like they're playing jazz music. So it's kind of like while you're playing PUBG, you get like playing this game. It's like playing PUBG with jazz music. You're like, oh my God, what's with this jazz music? Um, so I'm assuming none of you guys are going to tell me what's the biggest flaw, biggest flaws for this game. Well, we can't tell you because we haven't played it. Um, okay, so I'll I'll say it. And um, the biggest flaws I found in this game is more of the when you're playing it from the top down. It's very it the controls are cumbersome at times. And the other problem with this game I've also encountered is the jump. There's no jump function as well. So every time you try and jump, it's you try and jump, you can't jump. You just basically roll in this game. Okay. Well, it's um, not the first game to not have jumping. Yeah. I'm actually looking at um, one of the screenshots, and it's very rem- some of the characteristics are very reminiscent of uh, Fallout, just with the coloration and, say, for the, the general schema. Yeah. And the um, anno- the other thing that um, you also have to take into consideration is you have to wait a long time to get into a game because sometimes you can wait up to 10 minutes just to get into a game as well. Okay. Oh, and um, the interest- another interesting part about this game. Uh, so once you hit the final three, um, all the... F- your f- um, all the perks, all the bets are off. So it's just basically last man standing. No, no perks, no bets. It's just your favorite. If you chose that, if you, if your favorite is the la- one of the last three, that's the other interesting thing about this game as well. I'm finding it interesting. Like I was talking about the pool just before, and the thing that's interesting is the fact that pool's just in the middle of town. Like you got streets on three sides and a park, flamingos, but then next to the pool is a hot dog stand. Who came up with this map? Hey, it's based on a. Hey, it's based on um, the map is huge. So there are certain. No, no, also- but it's it's just weird having a pool sit in the middle of town. Like- yeah, there are various zones as well in this map as well. So there, you got the trailer park zone. You've got the um, uh, you got the city zone. The farming the parking zone. lot. Yeah, the parking lot. So yeah. Uh, in terms of nerdy beanies, I would give it a. Uh, 3.5 out of 5. Cool. So there is room there is room for improvement, but and it's a good game. So yeah. Hang on, I just noticed you can have a is, is that a tennis racket or a frying pan as a well? I think that's a tennis racket. So you, you can play tennis with someone's head. <laughs> I can go with that. Yeah. Except you can't really do stealth attacks in this, can you? Nah, you can't. It's open shootouts. And you can do <clears throat> um, melee combat. That's it. You can't do stealth kills, you can't do oh, well. The types, so yeah, you can't. Oh, you can. You could do a trap kills, but you have to time it very precisely. Like a gr- throw a grenade at a certain spot where the person is. So yeah, it comes down to timing at the end. So alrighty, yep. Anyway, so moving on to our shoutouts on the fourth of January, twenty nineteen. Uh, Tom Long passed away. Uh, Tom Long, an Australian Australian film and television actor. He played court official and avid surfer Angus in the late 1990s TV series Sea Change and Brendan Abbott in the 2003 Australian TV movie The Postcard Bandit. He was also in the movie The Dish as Glenn Latham. Comedian Jane, Ken- Jane Kennedy, a writer and the producer for The Dish, said Long was, and I quote, one of the most modest and talented human beings I've had I've had the privilege to work with. He died of encephalitis at the age of 51. Uh, 5th of January 2019, Hayao Miyazaki celebrated his 79th birthday. A co-founder of Studio Ghibli, a film and animation studio, he has obtained attained international acclaim as the masterful storyteller and a maker of animated feature films. 
and is widely regarded as one of the most accomplished filmmakers in the animation business. Uh, 6th of January 1994, Washington State University's research moose, Morty, who strolled to fame in the opening credits of the CBS TV series Northern Exposure, has died. The moose died of cobalt and copper deficiency. Uh, 6th of January 2019, Australian comedian Celeste Barber has done, has raised more than $46 million for the trustee for New South Wales Rural Fire Service and Brigades Donation Fund. And I think they've, uh, I think the number is raised to now, oops, it's now 20, okay, that's a lot of money. So it's saying How London money. Tw- okay, so London money-wise, it's uh, twenty six million one hundred seventy five thousand seven hundred twenty six pounds. Yeah, that'd be over fifty million. Yeah, that's a that's the a thing. Lot. I find interesting is she, um challenge um Gina the I mean Gina Reinhart to put some money up. Yeah, well, well I did recall um Andrew Forrest has rate has decided to put seventy million into the fire for the fiery. So that's yeah. impressive. Well, he is ex- extremely rich, like Gina the Hutt is much richer than that. Yeah, let me, um, I think, yep, yeah, 50 million. So the target's now raised to 50 million now. So yeah, that's, well, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, to our remembrances now. So on the 6th of January, 1990, Pavel Ale- Alexeyevich, uh, Cherenkov, Soviet physicist who shared the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1958 with Ilya Frank and Igor Tam for the discovery of Cherenkov radiation made in 1934. Uh, Cherenkov observed the emission of blue light from a bottle of water subjected to radioactive bombardment. This phenomenon associated with charged atomic particles moved at velocities greater than the phase velocity of light proved to be the, of great importance in subsequent experimentation, experimental work in nuclear physics and for the study of cosmic rays. Epon, uh, epon, uh, ep, uh, sorry. It was later dubbed the Cherenkov effect, as was the Cherenkov detector, which has become the standard piece of equipment in atomic research for observing the existence and velocity of high-speed particles. He died at the age of... pretty blue glow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So shiny. He, he died at the age of 85 in Moscow, Russia, SFSR. Uh, 6th of January, 1990, Ian Charleston, Scottish <sighs> stage and film actor. He is best known internationally for his starring role as Olympic athlete and missionary Eric Liddell in the Oscar-winning 1981 film Chariots of Fire. He is also well known for his portrayal of Reverend Charlie Andrews in the 1982 Oscar award-winning film Gandhi. He performed numerous Shakespearean roles, and in 1991, the annual Ian Charleston Awards was were established, particularly in in honor of this final Hamlet. The awards, the awards reward, um, based the best classical stage performances in Britain by actors aged under 30. Ian McClellan said Charleston was, and I quote, the most unmannered and unactorish of actors, always truthful and always honest. He died of AIDS-related causes at the age of 40 in London. So young. Yeah, so you say AIDS-related causes? AIDS, yeah. not uh, AIDS. AIDS. And he is, this, um, and he, uh, to, uh, he is a further uh, um, thing to add in. Charles, Charleston requested that to be announced that he died his death that he died of AIDS in order to publicize the condition. Uh, this unusual decision by a major nationally known actor the first show business death in the United Kingdom openly attributed to complications from AIDS helped promote awareness of HIV and AIDS and acceptance of AIDS patients. So yeah. Uh, 6th of January, 1997, Catherine Scorsese, American actress and the mother of director Martin Scorsese. Of Italian descent, she began acting when her son Martin Scorsese cast her in her film, It's Not Just You, Murray. She frequently played in the role of an Italian mother and is perhaps most well known for her appearance in her son's fe- film Goodfellas as Mrs. DeVito, Tommy's mother. She acted in films other than her son's. Um, she was married to Charles Corsese. Her father, Martin Kappa, was a stage coordinator and her mother, Dominica, was a shop owner. She published the recipe book Italian American, the Scorsese family cook. She died from Alzheimer's disease at the age of 84 in Manhattan, New York. 
And on to our famous birthdays. On the 6th of January, 1822, Heinrich Schliemann, a German businessman and a pioneer in the field of archaeology. He was an advocate of the historicity of places mentioned in the works of Homer, an archaeological excavator of his relic, now presumed to be the site of Troy, along with the Mycenaean sites, uh, Mycenae and Tyrannus. His works lent Wait to the idea that Homer's Iliad reflects historical events. Schliemann's excavation of nine levels of archaeological remains with dynamite has been criticized as destructive of significant historical artifacts, including the level that is believed to be the historical Troy. Schliemann's famous finds include uh, Priam's treasure, a cache of gold jewelry discovered in 1873. Schliemann was also the excavator of the Bronze Age site of Mycenae in North Greece where he found the so-called Mask of Agamemnon in 1876. He was born in Nubukau, mecklenburg Schwerin. Picked up a lot of fun words for you this week, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 6th of January, 1954, Yoji Hori, a Japanese video game designer and scenario writer best known as the creator of the Dragon Quest series of role-playing games supervising and writing the scenario for Chrono Trigger, as well as for the first visual novel adventure game, Portopia Serial Murder Case. In Chrono Trigger, Hori appeared in one of the endings with game development staff. He was born in Sumimoto, Hyogo. You ever played Chrono Trigger, by the way, Professor? No, I haven't. Fun game, fun game. Yeah, I've heard it is. Hmm. Um, 6th of January, 1955, um, Rowan Atkinson, uh, English actor, comedian, and writer. He's best known for his work on the sitcoms Black Adder and Mr. Bean. Atkinson first came to prominence in the BBC sketch comedy show Not the Nine O'Clock News, receiving the 1981 BAFTA for the best entertainment performance and via his participation in The Secret Policeman's Ball. His other works include James Bond's film You Never Say Never Again, playing a bumbling vicar in Four Weddings and a Funeral, Voicing the red-billed hornbill Sazu in The Lion King and playing jewelry salesman Rufus in Love Actually. Best known for his use of physical comedy in his Mr. Bean persona, Atkinson's other characters rely more on language. Atkinson often plays authority figures speaking absurd lines with a completely deadpan delivery. He was born in Co- Consett, Country D- uh, County Dunham. Uh, Dunham. Thank you. You remember his line in... Um... Four weddings and a funeral? No, enlighten me. Um, it's when he's conducting the wedding, then he goes, Do you take this lady to be, this woman to be your fully wedded wife? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I need to rewatch that movie. It's been a while since I last saw that one. Yeah, I remember there was a remake to that movie, but. Was there? Yeah, yeah. They made, they remade that movie as well. <laughs> or was it Death at a Funeral? I, it was either one of them, but yeah. You know, uh, in. Um, well, actually, there's a theory his character was an angel. Was oh. Yes, because he keeps popping up everywhere and interfering. <laughs> um, so was he actually a uh, angel or was he just an American? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a mini series actually for this um, for Four Weddings and a Funeral. Doesn't mm-hmm. have the doesn't have the original cast, but yeah. Really? Yeah. That's so been. bizarre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would have been fun though, but. Uh, moving along to our events of interest, on the 6th of January, 1873... You, sorry, sorry to interrupt, I was just going to say, here's an interesting thing about um, Rowan Atkinson not a lot of people will be aware of. Mm-hmm. He has a master's degree in electrical engineering, an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering, that, uh, but his master's was at Queen's College, Oxford. So, yeah, he, he did have his um, backup career. Yeah, there's a lot of comedians who have really advanced degrees. Well, that's that's where he met um, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie was at Oxford. Do you know what uh, Fry and Laurie were studying? Um, not off the top of my head. I'll just tr- check. Um, Stephen Fry should was um, technically they didn't, he he should have been allowed to graduate university because he had a criminal history, but nobody asked him. Oh, what did Stephen Fry do? Uh, credit card fraud and a few other things. He um, was self-medicating to um, control his um, bipolar disorder. Wow. So he he wasn't diagnosed at the time. Yeah, he was taking cocaine to pick himself up when he was feeling down and marijuana to calm himself down when he was too excited. So... 
Stephen Fry. Um, he was awarded a scholarship, a scholarship to study English at Queen's College, Cambridge. Um, can't see whether he can't see where, what he actually got his got a degree. He's got an honorary degree from Anglia Ruskin University. So they may have actually retracted his um, degree when they found out he had a criminal history because hmm. he was imprisoned for three months. So yeah, yeah. he's got a scholarship for matriculation. Um, so that that's Stephen Fry. Hugh Laurie. Um, oh, hang on, here we go. Hugh Laurie actually, I didn't even realize this before. Actually went to Eton College. Uh, went to also went to Cambridge. Not so. Yeah, it's funny that um, Hugh, um, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie were at Cambridge and well, in Oxford. And, but yeah, Laurie grew up in Oxford though, and then went to Cambridge for university. For college, uni. So um, apparently he was an oarsman at college, um, but he suffered glandular fever, so he had to give it up. Can't see his, what he actually achieved as his. Yeah, sorry, no, that's uh, I can't can't see the answer to that question on him. We'll forgive you this time, Buck. Oh, on, he studied archaeology and anthropology, specialising in social anthropology, and graduated with third class honours. There you go. That's pretty serious. Yeah. So, like three three certifiable geniuses were the best of the best of friends. Like Brian oh, Atkinson's got an IQ of 178, which puts him up there um, in the realms of Stephen Hawking and um, Albert Einstein. Can you imagine all three of? Can you imagine those three gentlemen on an episode of QI? Um, I feel like that's probably already a thing that's happened. I don't know if it's a thing that's happened or not, but I know um, Stephen Fry used to be the host of QI. Oh, yeah. I would like to see him come back as the host of QI, yeah. Um, yeah. Hugh Laurie might have come on there. Rowan Atkinson, I he doesn't do a lot of that sort of stuff. He, he rarely does interviews. He, he disdains that sort of stuff. He, he finds it rather, what was the term? Vulgar. So, yeah. yeah I can see that. Like, it's just... Just that's just his his thing. Like he like this. He did a um interview on um, one of the TV shows, and he was talking about how he went to the um, Range Rover store, and he was he, one of the guys there was looking at him and saying, "You look so much like that the guy who plays Mister Bean." He goes, "Well, it's me." And he proceeded to have an argument with the guy that he actually was Rowan Atkins. But yeah, he he so rarely goes on any chat show or anything like that. That's just. Or any anything at all, he he just doesn't make an appearance. He doesn't financially. He doesn't need to. And uh, to answer the question, and my earlier thing about Hugh Laurie appearing on QI, he has in the very first episode of QI, apparently. Yeah. Well, as I said, like, I was pretty sure he had. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so moving along to our events of interest. On the 6th of January, 1873, Credit Mobilier of America scandal investigated by the House of Representatives. Or was it Congress? Um, this led to the seizure of Oaks Ames of Massachusetts and James Brooks of New York. This scandal showed how corruption tainted Gilded Age politics and the lengths railroads and other economic interests would go to assure and increase profits. Mm-hmm. At, one, at one stage, I think, if I recall, James L. James A. Garfield was also involved in the scandal as well. And who's yeah, that? He was, uh, he was one of the presidents, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was one of the he, he was one of the um, presidents who didn't get a damn named after him. <laughs> um, but the other thing that I found that was interesting about this was. The financier and railroad promoter was Doc Durant, who's one of the central characters to the um, series um, Hell on Wheels. So, and they actually, they, they, it, it actually revolves around the um, whole um, investigation into Credit Mobilier. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, moving along. On the 6th of January 1912, German geophysicist. Alfred um, Wengener uh, first presents his theory of continental drift. He hypothesized that the continents are slowly drifting around the Earth. He suggested that the continents were once a single landmass and gradually drifted apart, either because of a centrifugal centrifugal force of the Earth's rotation or astronomical precession. uh, precession. Uh, Wengener also um, originally thought mid-ocean ridges may play some role since the Atlantic seafloor is continu- continuously tearing open and making space 
for fresh, relatively fluid and hot uh, material rising from depth. But he eventually abandoned those notions. And finally, on the 6th of January 1950, the United Kingdom recognizes the People's Republic of China. The Republic of China, um, presently known as Taiwan, severs diplomatic relations with the UK in response. So, uh, anything else to add in before we wrap it up? I think that's uh, everything. Yeah, um, I'd like to give a shout out to Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know, another fine um, podcast from That's Not Canon Productions. They're, um, they, were, they, they, mean, they had their screening of the movie Cats, the live adaption. <laughs> I bet they must have been traumatized after that movie. I think trauma is a bit of an understatement. I don't know. There's lots, lots of um, latex and body paint. Ah, uh, um, anything else from me, Professor? No, I have nothing to add. Okay, so um, so that's about it for this week. Uh, where can they find us, Bucky? Um, well, they can find us at good bookstores. Um, <laughs> Um, I mean, where can so, they find our podcast? Ah, oh. <laughs> well, they can find the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, um, the, the second rate um, group, was it um, iTunes? <laughs> um, yeah, wherever good podcasts can be found, and not so good. We are on, we are on iTunes, and Apple sucks. <laughs> And that's all of our Apple fanboys. <laughs> Where well, else you guys can... might like them, but I just, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of Apple. <laughs> Where else did they also find us, Bucky? Um, well, they can find us on Facebook, as I was mentioning earlier. We have our Facebook page and our we have a group where we have discussions occasionally and we encourage people to come and join us and get some discussion happening with each other and with my fellow co-hosts. And sometimes our guests like Sean from XTC. Yes, or um, Luke from Sons of Obi-Wan, if he's not dreaming of um, Ray and Baby Yoda. <laughs> ah, so they can also... F- for, uh... what, where, where, where else are we at? Twit? Oh, bucko, they can find us on Twitter at... And amalgamated. They can also uh, find us on on Instagram at nerds amalgamated, all in one le- all in one um, word. Um, if they got any f- feedback, they can also send us an email at uh, nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. And they can also find us on the that's not canon website, where we have an archive of our old episodes and merchandise. Lovely, lovely merchandise. Um. Anyways, uh, that's it for. For this week hope to see you soon remember to look out for yourselves take care of each other and stay hydrated root. and we'll see you next week see you guys up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 